everyone, and welcome to Conversations in Momentum, brought to you by the teams at Momentum Transport Consultancy and Momentum Transport Canada. I'm Joe Tang, and we're really delighted to bring you episode one of season three of our lovely podcast. And we're also very excited to announce a brand new face on the podcast team today, albeit she has been on here as a guest previously on a very interesting season two episode discussing the CDA. It's a big welcome to Katie Mulkowski, who will be joining myself and Amelie for future podcasts. It's great to have you on the team, Katie. Oh, thanks so much for the warm welcome, Joe. Really great to be back, and I'm so much looking forward to all of the conversations that we have planned for the season. Oh, likewise, it should be really, really interesting. Um, so with yourself on board as a brand new host and with the start of season three in front of us, we thought it would be great timing to have a look at some of the highlights so far from the podcast and from Momentum City, which this also links into. And we'll also be looking ahead at the next few months and potentially dropping a couple of spoilers on what's coming up. Sounds great, Joe. So yes, as you said, um, I was a guest on the podcast over the summer, was really lucky to be able to do a piece with the chief executive of the Central District Alliance, Debbie Akerst. Um, we did some reflections on our public realm work and how all of Momentum's really fabulous transport planning expertise kind of plays into that. Uh, but before we got into the public realm stuff, thinking back to that podcast, all of our guests were asked to share a transport story. So first, Joe, going to flip it on its head and ask you, um, have we heard your memorable transport story? Uh, and if not, perhaps we could take the opportunity for you to share it now. We've not, we've not. Um, I mean, everyone else has come along with such great stories that I think I'll, I'll struggle to match those. But I guess the big thing that stands out for me is seeing how cycling has changed in London over the eight years since I moved here. Now, I'm, I'm very much not a lycra-clad cycling machine. I'm far much on the slower side of things, but I've always commuted by bike and I've lived in two locations since I came to London and basically used two different commuter routes in that time. And it's interesting to see that both commuter routes have had notable cycle upgrades uh, since I started using them. So the first being Elephant and Castle Roundabout, which had that gyratory put in and that's felt a lot safer, a lot better for cyclists. And the second now being on Cycleway 4, which is my current route. That's currently under construction, um, but very excited to have my brand shiny new cycle route in that location when it's all finalized soon. So it's been very pleasing to see cycling improve during my time in London. Um, I don't think I'll be getting to the, the lycra clad stage of cyclists at any time soon, but it's a lovely way to be able to commute in the mornings and I'm very lucky to be able to do so. So um, yeah, great to see. Oh, such a great story, Joe. Yeah, I think that must interact so well with all of the work that we do here in terms of planning and engineering work for cycle design when you have the more, I guess, human experience of using that infrastructure yourself. Uh, before I was at Momentum, I actually um, was working down in South and commuting along the Elephant and Castle roundabout as well. So I can only imagine that some of those improvements were very welcome. <laughs> oh, they absolutely were. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have recommended it before that all came in. Um so kicking us off with today's subject matter then, Katie, it'd be really interesting to get your initial thoughts on Momentum City and on the podcast since both were launched last year. And, and I guess in particular, if you've got any specific highlights that stand out from those. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. So there, there are a couple episodes that I've really enjoyed listening to over the past year, um, apart, of course, from the one that I mentioned uh, doing with Debbie. Uh, but in a similar theme, the first one for me was when we launched our public realm space in the Momentum City. Um, and so that space was labeled as a comfortable space to walk, sit, or just to be, um, all of which are really important qualities. But um, something else interesting about that is that it acknowledges how public realm is a real driver of our economy. Um, and that really resonated with me. It's something that we've been thinking about a lot, I think, moving forward from our work with the CDA, um, not just thinking about sort of the qualitative elements of public realm enhancement, but how we might be able to quantify that and think through how things like um, more footfall, more space for people to sort of dwell and gather together um, can really have positive sort of economic impacts for the, the businesses in the area. Um, so that's also a piece of work that we're considering exploring in more depth um, at Momentum and that we might be able to share on the podcast sometime soon once that's finalized. Um, there's another stat in that podcast about the percentage of public realm that is made up of the streets outside our homes, um, which I think is a really interesting perspective, as well as a sort of traditional take on the public realm being the spaces between buildings. So all of these sort of, I guess, sometimes hidden um, or less easily discoverable places in between the, the heavier hitters uh, in the built environment um, where people can sort of sit, talk to each other, have human interactions um, and really build connections to place, which I, I think can be really powerful. That's a really good point, isn't it? I, I think, you know, it was about 80 percent, wasn't it, of the the sort of space of streets outside our homes which can make up public realm areas and like you said changes that traditional sense where a public realm is seen as a square or a courtyard or something like that and brings a lot more emphasis to a, a lot more of, of the streets around us and, and what we do uh, i'm very glad you touched upon the cda piece there and the podcast that you came to do with us with debbie it was super interesting for myself to hear all about it you know it was um, some really interesting stuff hearing about the good work you were doing with public realm there um, specifically with greening initiatives and that obviously ties quite well into momentum city and um, one of our key themes from our ends that we keep trying to focus on it's sort of interesting thinking about that and how this year has panned out it's really interesting seeing how the climate has evolved um you know, we had an article earlier this year from Ken High, one of the engineers in our team on sustainable earnage drainage systems, or SUDS for short. And that was published at a time where we'd just come out of a very wet spring into an incredibly hot summer, I think maybe even the hottest June on record. And now in November, we're looking at floods and very heavy rain again and storms kicking in. So emphasizes that need for climate resilience more than ever and how good public realm can really play a part in managing climate change. Mm, certainly, Jono. I'm so glad that you mentioned Ken's piece, actually, because um, was leaning a lot on Ken's expertise throughout the, the life cycle of our work with CDA. Um, one of the really landmark schemes that they were super thrilled to contribute to um, and which was driven by Islington Council, um, uh, revolves around the public realm enhancements underway at Clerkenwell Green, um, a really historic sort of landmark public space that often has grounded many sort of vibrant histories of, of protests and, and other sorts of gathering in the area. 
Um, but moving on from sort of enhancing the the heritage and the sort of elements of the past that still so strongly characterize the space, um, a lot of, of course, what the council wants to do is now look forward into the future. Um, and that's where planning toward um, climate resilience, specifically with SUDS, is so important. Um, so there at Clark and Walt Green, we really are seeing a sort of industry leading spec. I think it's something around 250 square meters of porous surface um, to collect uh, rainwater and sort of help all of that natural water uh, kind of reemerge into the urban ecological system, just as it would if it were coming into soil organically and then, um, you know, helping to, to power plants and, and other ecological assets in the area. So um, that's, that's something that we were really excited to sort of let let Ken's knowledge, I guess, um, emerge from the blog and, and into some of our project work, um, even how we spoke uh, with that to, to our clients. Um, climate change is such a serious challenge, but, you know, kind of with that example in mind, I feel that it's one that we as transport planners and urban designers really can have an impact on. Um, and maybe with that in mind, going back to your original question, another one of the podcasts that I really enjoyed was the one which you and Amelie hosted around this time last year, uh, where our colleagues Kana and Alice shared the work of Momentum Sustainability Transport Group. Yeah, that was, that was really interesting, that one. Um Anna and Alice did a really good job there showing off Momentum's environmental impact assessment tool. It, it was something they'd worked hard developing, and it basically highlighted all the sustainability benefits that we can bring and have brought to projects in the past. Um, they were essentially looking at projects which had been granted planning permission and having a look at the sustainability contributions of the scheme, comparing those against the, the sort of baseline um, industry baseline standard that you'd have and then having a look at what co2 savings we've made you know and that was looking at things like modal shares um, it was incorporating elements like the number of trees planted number of cycle spaces active travel proposals any delivery consolidation so yeah really really interesting piece um, it was also interesting for you to touch upon clark and well green as well it's it's great to have seen that grow and develop, especially given it's about five minutes from our office. So very much a vested interest there from our end. Yeah, n not a bad place to grab a coffee after work. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you, Joe. So the, the work that the sustainability group have done um, is really incredible. Um, last year, I think it showed that um, from the period of 2021 to 2022, our schemes contributed a potential yearly saving of 89,450 tons of CO2, um, which is, is really remarkable. I, I think that should make all of us really proud to see what's been achieved through the kind of um, collaborative and engaged way that we uh, conduct our work. Um, and, and maybe this sounds like another plug, but with that in mind, we have to mention that Momentum's annual Transport Sustainability Summary for Consented Schemes is published every year in November. Uh, so we should be expecting this year's number any day now. Uh, I think last year's was tough to beat, but excited to see how, how this year you know, falls into place. Um, with all of that in mind, Joe, you've been very generous in letting me share some of my highlights, including giving Clerk and Will Green a shout. So um, what, what about you? Um, oh, there, there's been tons on this. Um, I guess it's been really interesting being able to be part of conversations that I maybe wouldn't necessarily be usually involved in and being able to pick people's brains on those. So, for example, we had external podcasters come in. We've had the likes of Leon Daniels. Um, we've had Rachel Murphy from Como UK on. 
they've been really interesting and, and really good examples of conversations with ex- external guests that we've had. From a selfish perspective, I've also really enjoyed the last podcast of season two that we did. That was on Landsex Nova development in London. And I say this as a, a selfish perspective because it was a scheme I've been heavily involved in ever since I started at Momentum two years ago. And I think it's been one that Momentum has had for basically as long as they've been around. You know, it's been 10 plus years on this area, developing a whole set of developments, public realm areas around Victoria and, you know, huge, huge amounts of work around here. Um, So, yeah, it was great to have that opportunity to talk about some of those changes that we've brought forward, seeing public realm improvements, seeing the benefits we brought to the likes of cyclists, to pedestrians, to buses in the area. Um, So, yeah, really, really pleasing on that. I think another fascinating one was our first ever podcast where we chatted about our first ever momentum landmark as stations. So for that one, we had Claudio from our transport planning team and Will from our modeling team come in and they talked about stations being a patch of new city as opposed to a very closed off environment. You know, they were talking about how you make them permeable, how you allow people to connect through both sides of the station, how you open up areas underneath the tracks so that these stations become connected pathways and connected areas and places to be as opposed to just siloed environments. And they also represent just a really good example of the three disciplines that Momentum work in, you know, our engineering, our modeling, our transport planning aspects, um, how you combine all of those to make not just better transport, but also better places and environments for all the people that use them, that live around them and work around them. What what great examples, Joe. Um, really, really love the way that you spoke about um, stations as new patches of city just now. I um, think that that really kind of connects back to what we were saying about public realm spaces in the beginning of this episode, um, thinking kind of creatively about the, the spaces between our major built environment assets and how those as well can be activated um, to kind of introduce further elements of, of the work that we're trying to achieve Um, And definitely hear what you were saying about Nova. Um, I I wonder if that feels familiar uh, to what you were mentioning about watching cycle infrastructure as well grow and develop over the past um, few years that you've been living and working here. And I think it's always really powerful when we've had these kind of longer term engagements with public spaces and public space work to kind of be able to see the the progress of it over many years. Um, Wow, what a great way to round off my first episode uh, and the opener for season three. Um, I I will say that I know we promised spoilers and I don't want to disappoint. So um, to our our audience members, if you like what you've heard today, there is much more of that to come in the next few weeks. Uh, Keep an eye out for Momentum City, where we'll be adding new content on the accessibility of the city for all at all stages of life. Really important theme. Uh, The power of long-term policymaking, resilience and climate change adaptation to extreme weather events, and the safety of different types of road users, as well as a new landmark, Momentum City Airport. Thank you very much, Katie. I'm very excited to see all of that come through. It should be a really interesting year ahead. Um, Of course, there'll be podcasts coming out uh, every couple of weeks, um, along with all of that that Katie's mentioned there. So... As always, you can find our previous episodes and new episodes as they're released at momentum-city.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Conversations in Momentum and follow the podcast so that you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.